1: I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, who indeed is a nationally known gerontologist, graduate of Trinity University and the University of the Incarnate Word, where she got her master's degree in gerontology. She serves as executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, and we are delighted to co-host this show with her every week on 930 AM. The answer.
2: Oh, thank you. It's every week. It is a pleasure to be
1: here. Set your clock by it. That's right. That's cool. And we have a great guest coming up who is coming to San Antonio for the annual WellMed Charitable Foundation Caregiver Summit. Her name is Sheila Warnock, and her experience in caregiving led to Share the Care, and we'll talk about that and more. Sheila, thanks for coming on.
3: Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm delighted to have this opportunity.
1: Well, your background is fascinating because you spent a lot of years as a creative director working in advertising, uh, working in a very creative and challenging field. And then all of a sudden, you end up being a caregiver, sole caregiver for your mother, and an emotional crutch for your best friend, Susan, who had been diagnosed with cancer. That changed your life.
2: It
3: sure did. I'll tell you, being a, a solitary caregiver is one of the most difficult jobs in the world because you're living, you know, you're living through this all by yourself, pretty much. Um, You know, I had no one helping me because my father had already passed away and my brother lived in Japan. So it was up to me uh, to handle everything. And I did a great job taking care of my mother. I didn't do such a great job taking care of me. And that's part of what drives my passion. Because also at the same time this was going on, I was trying to help my friend Susan. And actually, by the time... I reached my breaking point with my mom, and I really couldn't take care of her alone anymore, and she really needed 24-7 care. I had to move her to a nursing home, and that was a very difficult transition. But at the same time that was going on, my friend Susan reached a crisis, and that's actually when this whole share the care thing started to take form.
1: Now, as you were caring for your mom, Susan was a big help and a support for you.
3: Well, she was a support for me and that, you know, I had somebody to talk to about my feelings because my other friends really didn't understand what I was going through. And I was doing my caregiving for my mom, you know, at a distance from my home. So, you know, there was nobody there to listen to me, and they probably wouldn't have wanted to anyway because I was so depressed and isolated.
2: Well, talk a little bit about how, you know, you're in a bad place, you're doing more caregiving than you can possibly do. You know, what leads you or what was the thought process in developing Share the Care, the model for it?
3: Well, it actually came separately from taking care of my mother. The experience of taking care of my mother by myself really became the benchmark of what we don't want to end up having to do. I had to quit my job, I had no life, I was constantly dealing with caregiving. And so when the point came where I had to put my mother in the nursing home and Susan reached a crisis after a number of years of her trying to deal with it, her her own cancer, her therapist suggested that she get her friends together. And the very next night, Twelve of us showed up to see what we could do to help. And that meeting, which I'm going to talk about in great detail when I come down to San Antonio, was uh, quite a fascinating evening of people who didn't know one another, yet came together to help someone they all knew very well and wanted to do something. So it's about the process that went on that night at the meeting, that we actually recreated later on and put into the book. Meeting together with others who want to help and with the person needing the care and anybody in their family coming together face-to-face is what makes all the difference in the world.
1: It's like a modified uh, Tupperware party.
3: Well, yes, but there's also a lot of tears. and that was because we were all facing the reality of what was going on. And I think that's a very necessary place to arrive at, to be able to realize that you need help, want help, will accept help, and that the people who want to help you will learn that Share the Care is a very organized way of doing that, where workloads are shared. And they also work together in teams and help each other. Through the process it becomes a very rewarding experience and our experience went on for three and a half years taking care of our friend in fact we were so widely known we were known as Susan's funny family you know it wasn't called share the care yet so uh, when Susan died we were asked by others to help them operate in the same way and work in the same way.
1: Now hold that thought and we're going to come right back to you. I want to remind folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host Carol Zerniel is here and we are talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Sheila Warnock. Sheila is the author of Share the Care, has an incredible story you are hearing and she will be in San Antonio November 1st for the Caregiver Summit and you are invited uh, to join. It's a no cost, but need to register for the Caregiver Summit. And where do folks go to register?
2: Well, they can go to the WellMedCharitableFoundation dot org and find us on our our website. Um, but Sheila, I wanted to come back to you because you—I love the term "the funny family," uh. um, and I, what I think it communicates is the funny family. Funny, uh, you know. I'm sure that you all, so, you know, had a few laughs as well. But I, the funny family is nontraditional, and a lot of people yeah. think that it has to be a family caregiver. It has to be a blood relative caregiver. And to me, funny family means that, you know, we've widened the circle. We're letting more people into the family.
3: Yes. It's a cast of characters because everybody has lots of different friends. It's kind of like if you ever had had a a surprise birthday party and suddenly you come home and there are all these people, you know, from different parts of your life, only they're all together in one room. It's
2: pretty amazing well no does the um, having everybody in one room and, and looking at each other and you mentioned everybody's there is is wanting to help does it make it easier for someone to say yes I'm going to contribute and here's what I'm going to contribute when there's a group of people and they know it's not going to be them the burden is not going to just fall on them
3: absolutely i think that's an important part of it to to visually see and meet all the other people but also at the meeting one of the first things that happens is either the care recipient or a family member or somebody close will tell everybody what is really going on what is what is the illness what what are they facing what sort of you know challenges do they have so that there is no rumor or hearsay or guessing that people are really hearing what's happening together and committing uh, to working together. Also, because this meeting in the book is entirely scripted for two friends to lead the meeting, the two friends are going to be responsible for reading the beginning chapters of Share the Care addressed to them, so that they can work with the family to figure out who to invite to this meeting and what kind of help will be needed so they can prepare, um, you know, contact information forms, but also a form where people get to pick and choose out of all the jobs that will be needed where they think they're going to fit in.
1: Now, you need, uh, as you're saying, uh, dual quarterbacks who who take over the responsibility of organizing and, and running the event uh, and you found that when you ran that very first meeting uh, people understood what was needed.
3: Well when we, when we did that first meeting we talked about it that night. It wasn't as organized as a share of the care group is today because you know they have the book to follow but we figured it out. We figured out several very important ways of working that very first night. We knew that it would be best there were only 12 of us. It would be best if we worked in teams of two so that two people would be responsible for contacting Susan, finding out what she was going to need for the next week, Then they would go and call everybody else and get the jobs filled. And then the following week they would switch with another team. And the reason for having teams was if something came up in the life of one captain of the week, as we called them. It was always another one to keep the ball rolling. There wasn't any breakdowns. And then the following week, they would switch. So we had six teams of two people. That meant you were a co-captain every six weeks. And that was certainly manageable.
2: Well, I think I, I like the idea of, you know, sharing this lead Give us an example of some of those tasks that you identified. What might the team members be asked to do when they're not the captain? Well, they
3: might. It could be anything from cooking, shopping, cleaning, to going to doctor's appointments. And certainly that kind of job would go to somebody who felt comfortable doing that or wasn't afraid of going to hospitals. Somebody who would bring Susan's questions and write down the answers and make sure that she had all all her questions answered by the doctor but other things you know it could be transportation it could be just somebody coming over and hanging out and you know having dinner with her and watching a video you know whatever to actually at the very end of our our journey together we organized her youngest daughter's wedding which was quite spectacular and we did it under Susan's direction. This is an important important point. A share of the care group does not run your life if you need help. They come to you to find out what you need so they can make it happen. It's about having your needs and wishes fulfilled to the best of their ability.
1: Okay, hold that thought. Not We're going to hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm Ron Aaron. Along with our co-host Carol Zernial, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air talking with Sheila Warnock who is the author of Share the Care. If you care for a spouse or a loved one, come to the 2019 Caregivers Summit, November 1st at the Whitley Theological Center, brought to you by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. This year's summit is the Empowered Caregiver. There's no cost to attend. Speakers include caregiver author Sheila Warnock, Tam Cummings, author of Untangling Alzheimer's, Dr. Lillian Oaks, medical director with WellMed's Palliative Care Program, and elder law attorney Carol Birch. You can even get a free flu shot while you're there. A light breakfast and lunch will be served, and respite care will be available for up to 20 spots. Again, the Caregiver Summit will be at the Whitley Theological Center, 285 O'Blade Drive, November 1st. Social workers, CEUs, and nursing CNEs will be available. Call 866-390-6491 or visit caregiversos.org to register. That's caregiversos.org. And join us for the 2019 Caregiver Summit. Well, thank you so much for being with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Along with our co-host, Carol Zornio, we were uh, talking with uh, Sheila Warnock, who is author of Share the Care and had amazing experiences as a caregiver for her mom and, and then as a support caregiver for her friend Susan. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about that wedding, but I want to find out first because we, we've talked to you before and we've talked about some of these issues, mm-hmm. but, but you've never painted a picture of Susan. Who was she? What was she like?
3: Oh, oh, Susan, She she was my best buddy at the time. She was short. She was probably about five foot three with red curly hair and she had two young daughters who I watched grow up from, you know, little kids into young women. And in fact I'm still in touch with them today. They're both married with kids and, you know, very happy and um, Susan would be so proud of, you know, how they've turned out and how their children have turned out. But Susan worked. She had a very um, important job at a Fortune 500 company. She had a lot of energy. She loved to dance. She was very active. She was divorced. And her husband lived in, ex-husband lived in California. But she, you know, loved having a good time and was very active and, and so helpful to all her friends, you know, doing whatever. So... Uh, We used to spend a lot of time out on the beach, you know, in beach houses and things like that. So we had a lot of fun. And, in fact, um, some of her friends came from that time, you know, with beach houses or they were neighbors or they were other moms or they were work friends. We were a real mix. But she was very independent and very feisty. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she. That's why, especially when we were doing the wedding, we just had to make it happen because she was very specific about what she wanted.
2: Well, so so you you actually with Susan planned this wedding for her daughter under her direction. Um, It sounds like it was a big wedding.
3: It was, you know, a fair-sized wedding. I mean, it wasn't, you know, giant, but I can't remember exactly how many people, probably 150, maybe 125, but it was such a, such an incredible experience because I remember the bride thanking her parents for the beautiful wedding because Susan saved up all her energy. She was riddled with bone cancer by the time the wedding happened, and she just, managed to get herself to walk down the aisle on the arm of her daughter and her ex-husband and, you know, do the ceremony. And so the bride thanked her parents, and then she thanked all her other moms for making the wedding happen.
1: Yeah, she had 13 moms.
3: Yeah, yeah. And believe you me, (laughs) we, we were.
1: Well, for folks who are now faced with, uh, a situation where they're a caregiver very often overnight suddenly uh, you know your loved one ends up in the ICU and you become a caregiver uh, what's the best way to begin organizing uh, this kind of share the care I'm assuming by the book
3: well if you are the caregiver and you are open right away to the idea of accepting help because sometimes that's a big stumbling block for people but Usually it's a crisis that precipitates the Share the Care group starting. The idea is that the caregiver doesn't need to take on another job. They need to focus on what they have to do. And they ask two friends to help them by getting the book, reading the beginning chapters, and making it happen. It's very easy. Actually, Share the Care is very much common sense. It's just that it's laid out in a very specific way that has been working for next year. It'll be 25 years.
2: Well, and that's the part that amazed me the first time we had a conversation because I've been in the field a long time and I had not come across, you know, this particular idea that made perfect sense. You know, what do you do if you don't have 12 people, or if you put all your family and friends together, if you have just a handful, I mean, is there, is there, at what point is it too small to be sharing the care? Is it such a thing? I don't think it's
3: ever too small, but in some cases, like if it's for an elderly person or somebody maybe with dementia or Alzheimer's disease, you want a small group around them, not, you know, 12 people coming in and out of the house. You It's, it's done much differently in terms of the number of people, but they can be supported. Those four or five people who go into the home can be supported by an outer group of people who could be, you know, the neighbor, the teenage, you know, son or whatever, who do all the schlepping and shopping and bringing stuff to the home so that that smaller group can operate But people always say, oh, I don't know anybody. I only know one or two people and maybe my cousin Sally. But if you probe and make them think, and the book has a few pages of ideas on this, there are many more people in your life who would want to help than you can imagine. It's just that the people you think are going to help you don't necessarily always, not always able to or want to, but there are other people who turn up that you know more casually, who turn out to be the most amazing caregivers. You know, they really have a heart for it and, and love to do it and want to be of service. But it's the idea of making use of the things people are able to give, want to give, and can give, especially in terms of time. It's not... You have to do something that makes you uncomfortable. You get to say, no, I'm sorry, I don't like to do that, or I don't feel comfortable, but I'm happy to do this.
2: So do people pretty much like um, when you were caring for Susan or even in any of the groups, Do they, are they like repeat performers like this is the person who usually cooks the meals, this is the person who usually goes to the doctor's appointments, um, or do people like to mix it up? It depends on the person. They can mix up whatever
3: they want to do. You know what I mean? It it usually ends up becoming somewhat routine in who's doing what on what days just because of, you know, people's schedules, but it's not written in the stone. And also, having a group of people to help someone gives you, as one of those caregivers, the permission to go on your own vacation and do your own special things because there are a group of people there continuing to do their thing while you're away for a respite. You know, it works out quite well. There have been, you probably didn't hear about Share the Care early on because it's so grassroots. It took a while for it to get around. We did have a lot of media in the beginning. But as time has gone on with the Internet, that kind of changed a lot because now there are so many um, choices and organizations that do different things for caregivers—that it's—it's almost to the point of overwhelming. Quite honestly, I don't think anyone operates the way we do at all because of this meeting and the specifics of sharing responsibility.
2: Well, you know, plus, go ahead. Plus it sorry. also
3: has a chapter in there that points out, after a group has been working together for a while, when a major change occurs in the person you're caring for, the group needs to regroup to either make adjustments to what they're doing or how they're doing it because of that change in the patient. So, you know, they're maybe not doing so well or they're moving towards end of life. You can't be doing the same kind of things over and over and have it work. You have to make adjustments because of that.
2: So do, is the, what kind of feedback do you get? Does this um, model of sharing allow caregivers to keep working? Is it the stress reduction? Yes. What, is it, what is it that you hear back?
3: Uh, well, we have a study now on Share the Care, so it, it's evidenced informed. At the, at the conference, I'm going to actually be sharing lots of examples of different kinds of groups that have helped people of all ages through the entire life cycle and beyond, like grandparents raising small children or a family with quadruplets, you know, having a share of the care group that helps them. So what, the feedback is phenomenal. It is a life-changing experience is what I get back all the time. And I even know of groups that have mobilized more than once to help another person within their circle of friends.
2: Well, even so, the the person that helped write the book with you, is, as I recall, um, actually yes, Cappy, came down with an illness herself.
3: Yes, Cappy was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I put together a group of 33 of her friends and we took care of her for 10 months and then she passed away. It was very dramatic because her father was diagnosed with the same thing at the same time, and they both passed away within 12 hours of each wow. other.
1: Wow. That was Cappy Capicella?
3: Yes, yes. And Cappy, Cappy was an amazing woman. She's brilliant. We, we worked together in advertising. Um, we were a creative team. So not only was she a really good... My best friend, but she was also a coworker wow and a co author and you know we we went through this together, so it was mm. that was what made me stop my other career and and start doing share the full time and creating a nonprofit organization Well we
1: look forward to seeing you in San Antonio on November first for the caregiver summit. And for the folks who are listening, uh, if you happen uh, to need continuing education credits, those are available as well for uh, nurses and therapists and uh, providers. Caregiversos.org is the place to go for registration. You can go to caregiversos.org. And we, for those of
2: you who are not in San Antonio, we will be providing information on our website in the
1: future. Thank you very much. Appreciate you joining us, Sheila. Oh,
3: thank you. And I look forward to seeing and meeting everybody at the conference.
1: Well, we look forward Thank to seeing you. you. Take care. Bye-bye.
3: Okay, bye.
1: This is Caregiver SOS on Air. For Carol Zernial. I'm Ron Aaron, and we will talk with you again soon on 930 AM, The Answer.